good afternoon. Welcome to Let's Talk, the pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is a program for the Christian layman. You know, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. Well, in short, the program's designed just for someone like me. There's a lot I don't understand. Now, it doesn't have to be soul-shaking. It might be something that's just on my mind, or it could be serious. And I find that rather than getting into a really deep theological discussion, I find that a casual front porch-style talk with my pastor is often the best way to understanding. Well, that's what this program is all about. Today's guest is Wayne Moore, uh, Wayne Lawrence, pardon me, Pastor Lawrence, of uh, St. James Lutheran Church in University City, who does indeed happen to be my personal pastor. Now, I have my questions, and I'm sure that you have yours. Now, you can send yours by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org or call during the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, that's area code 314-821-0850. Or you can call us toll-free anywhere in North America if you're outside the region at 800-730-2727. Pastor, welcome aboard. Yes, it's good to be here again. (laughs) So we've been uh, having some really fun talks, and sometimes I think the best programs are the ones that we have before we're on the air. Right, right, right. <laughs> So we've been talking about all sorts of different things, everything from dogs as being the uh, first article gifts and how they actually teach us things, that they're a part of God's plans. But, you know, we have a lot of th- things to talk about. These are really strange times that we are in right now. And uh, you posed a question uh, in our email exchange, and it's one that I run into a lot. Uh, I do a lot of posting on Facebook, and uh, I make no bones about my political or religious views. Yeah. And uh, people on the other side will say, well, how can you possibly support a person who is not a Christian by your view? Well, I think what we're talking about is perhaps our current president, who is, I think we all agree, is a deeply flawed human being. But he has done a lot of things, a lot of good things for the faithful. Uh, he's, uh, he's encouraged everything from uh, the uh, conscience exception to, so that medical personnel are not forced to perform abortions. He has uh, reissued uh, some rules with the uh, uh, with uh, Health and Human Services on that. He has uh, allowed FEMA now to to uh, uh, make sure that churches and other religious housings are eligible for disaster grants if they're damaged. Things along this line. But again, the point is that he is flawed rather deeply flawed. And I think it's a valid question that I am asked and that you, I'm I'm sure, run into that as well, Pastor, is that can we as Christians support a person whom we find abhorrent in certain ways? Right. If this person does good, dare I say? Right, right. So how do we view that? How do we view that? Um, you know, I went through that um, looking, especially sometimes on television, and you see um, people bring up that same question. In fact, up to recently, I saw it again on Fox. Mm-hmm. You know, and I like to watch Fox rather than CNN. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, this uh, this uh, gentleman and Fox, he's he's a nice guy. You know, Juan Williams, and he. Uh, um, was challenging that uh, Baptist minister, Pastor Jeffries, about that very question. You know, he said, aren't evangelicals 
um, hypocrites for voting for the, the current uh, president because he's such a, a flawed character in many ways. You can point to any kind of immorality that he may have engaged in. Or even admitted that he's or, engaged or, in, in the past. Right, right. And, you know, I, you know, I thought Pastor Jeffries did an a excellent job in responding. Um, Pastor Jeffries, you know, would point out that uh, we are all sinners mm. and we're all in need of forgiveness. Um, and he points out that we're not electing an altar boy. You know, <laughs> that's not what we're doing or elect or electing a Sunday school teacher. No, we're we're, we're voting for a political leadership yeah. rather than for sainthood. Right. And I think he is. Uh, he did a very good job at pointing out, um, pointing that out. However, um, you know, in trying to defend the morality of the president is where I think he could have done a little bit better. And I think he would have, too, if he had um, more time. But in those little segments on television, it's hard to get out all your points. You don't have all the, you know, you, you can't say as much as you want to say or even cite passages that you may want to cite. Well, that was going to be my next question, is that, indeed, the Bible actually addresses this very question. Yes, yes. You know, um, every time I listen to one of those conversations about um, challenging the morality of the leader, mm-hmm. and uh, again, I you know I must commend Pastor Jeffries for responding the way he has so far, pointing out that you know it is policies that evangelicals are interested in policies rather than whether the man is flawed or not, and that's a very good answer. Now, you know, I imagine if he's he's also very familiar with these passages, and I imagine if he had time, he would cite these passages too. But one that uh, stands out to me every time I hear this conversation is Romans 13. St. Paul is writing in Romans 13, um, and it is entitled in most um, translation, Submission to the Authorities. Uh-huh. And listen to what Paul says. He says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant. Mark those words. (laughs) He is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. And he goes into, for because this is 
Because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of God attending to this very thing. Um, so, you know, this passage often come to mind when I hear this debate uh, because St. Paul was writing in a time when uh, the Roman Empire, the leader of the Roman Empire, these were not godly people. No, not at all. In fact, they were not Christians. <laughs> um, in fact, it was under Emperor Nero, I believe, that Paul and Peter were martyred. And so these were not necessarily godly men or Christians. And yet Paul could write to the Romans and to the church at large that uh, we should we should be in submission to the governing authorities. And he calls them God's servant, which is interesting because, you know, in the Lutheran church, we speak of the right-hand kingdom and the, the left-hand kingdom or the right hand of God and the left hand of God in the world. Right. And that is how we see government. Um, we see government as uh, the left hand kingdom operate functioning as the left hand of God in this world, where it is supposed to be punishing bad behavior and uh, rewarding good behavior. And so I think when, you know, Pastor Jeffries point to the fact that evangelicals are voting based on policies he is um he's very much you know in he's very much correct here because that is how christians uh, this is how christians uh this is how christians vote we are voting in terms of policies not based on the morality uh, of the person and so we are always looking for um policies that will indeed um, punish bad behavior and reward good behavior. But what about when the, the leader is, is a bad person? We, we've certainly seen many examples of this in the world where there are evil, evil yes, yes. leaders. And that's another, that's another passage that came to mind. Not only is Paul writing in a time when uh, you have the Roman empire and the Roman um, authorities not being Christian. But look at also Isaiah 45, which is another passage that always comes to mind when I hear this um, discussion. In Isaiah 45, if you recall, that was when um, the Lord is telling Isaiah that the... Um, that the children of Israel would be taken into slavery in Babylon. Mm -hmm. And after they are there for some time, the Lord himself would rescue them and have them come back to their homeland. And in Isaiah 45 is where the Lord talks about this rescue. And Isaiah 45 is entitled Cyrus, God's instrument. And look at what the Lord says about Cyrus. Says, thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, to his anointed, ah. whose right hand I have grasped to subdue nations before him and to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him that gates may not be closed. I will go before you 
and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of irons. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. The Lord says, I am the Lord, there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Now, Cyrus did not know the God of Israel. No, not at all. And yet the Lord referred to Cyrus as his anointed. If you recall in the Old Testament, um, kings and uh, priests and prophets were anointed. Um, they were anointed by being set aside. They were set aside by God um, for special functions, to do special things. And so even Cyrus, who was uh, not even a Jew, not an, not an Israelite, um, he just did not acknowledge the God of Israel at all. And yet the Lord referred to him as my anointed. And he was using Cyrus to rescue his servant Jacob from slavery in Babylon and to bring them back home. So to say that God cannot use someone because he is flawed, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. And so we as Christians, um, we bear that in mind that uh, God can use even a very flawed person. In fact, who is not flawed? Well, that was a point I was going to raise, and I think we need to explore it a little bit further. Uh, this is very firm in, in Lutheran theology and doctrine. We are all sinners. We are all flawed. We are all doomed. Yeah. Save for the grace of God. Yes, yes. Um, I've gotten into, as they said on my Facebook thing, I've gotten into a number of discussions with uh, some people who are gay. And uh, they are horribly incensed that I find theological problems with homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And so, well, you hate me because of that. No, I don't hate you. No, 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 we don't. I, I, you know, I hate myself sometimes too. You know, I am, I am as guilty of sin as you are. Why do you think you are not a sinner as well? Exactly, exactly. Every time I look at myself in the mirror of God's law. Uh. I mean, I hate myself. I see someone who deserves hell and damnation. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I have to look at the cross to find comfort and peace in the forgiveness of God. You know, the very word repentance, you know, the Greek word for repentance, uh, metanoeo, which points to that two things. It, it, It gives the picture of standing between two things on the one side it's one's sin, one's wretchedness. And on the other side, it's the forgiveness of sins, the cross of Christ. And when one look in one direction, when we look in the direction of our sinfulness, we can only but be contrite, feel only sorrow over our sin. 
But then when we look at the other side and we see the cross of Christ, we find comfort and peace in the forgiveness of sin. And so again, you know, I must commend um, Pastor Jeffries for pointing that out in um, in his conversation with uh, those who would criticize uh, evangelicals for being hypocrites. Mm. And he would say, "No, we are all sinners. You know, we we are all we're all in need of the forgiveness of sins, and we're all flawed." <laughs> and that's a good answer. But also, when he points out that you know we are looking at policy rather than the man, mm-hmm. it is not the man but the policies. You know, and uh, when you look at uh, the current state of our country, you look at the different policies that are being. Um, put forward clearly my I have a lot of problem with the policies coming from the left yes because I see those policies as not not um, not punishing bad behavior but those rewarding poli- yeah, it seem to reward bad behavior and even punish good behavior I, exactly one of the stories I've been following is uh, there are a number of challenges that have gone on right now against uh, faith-based adoption agencies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because like Catholics, Lutherans, and others uh, will only give, uh, will only place children with with married couples, married male and right, female. Right. And uh, the uh, LBGT groups and and ACLU and other groups have been suing right. successfully in a number of pl- cases, and even had state legislature say, "No, no, no, we're not going to contract with you anymore because you're discriminating." The only people who suffer from this are the children. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I, I don't see where where they get this. I mean, the state is more than able to place children with same-sex couples. The state is beyond our, our, our call. We know that. But we can't why force us? Yeah. Why force a Christian to do that against his own belief? Absolutely. Right. And so they would rather... <sighs> They would rather that we not place, that we let these children go. Yeah. And I'm just, I am appalled by that. To me, it's just plain evil. Yeah. Evil. And that's and that's why, you know, Christians have to participate in the voting process mm. and look carefully at policies. Look at the policies and are, you know, are the policies of this candidate or president, are, the, are those policies designed to... To reward good behavior and punish bad behavior. And that is what we are looking at. We're not looking at the man, Donald Trump. We are looking at his policies. Whereas when you look at the opposite side, you realize, no, I Mm -hmm. cannot in good conscience vote for the other side because it is doing... The other side is proposing policies that is contrary to what God instituted government for. Well, I was speaking to uh, one of the uh, people here at the IC prior to the election, uh, and he had, this this pastor I was speaking to was was uh, very very much aware of the character flaws of then candidate Trump, uh, but to him the uh, the prime issue was was right to life. Yes, and where candidate. Clinton supported the uh, the right to abortion up until birth, up until the ninth month. Right, right. 
candidate Trump said, no, I'm, I'm pro-life and I will, I will fight for that. Right. And that was the deciding issue for him. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think for many of us, I mean, we, we look for, uh, you know, what are those moral issues to us? What are the issues that are important to us? And as you pointed out, you know, God works through, through bad leaders and flawed humans. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. He can be using, you know, uh, President Trump whether President Trump is a, is godly or not. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think he's necessarily ungodly, but he certainly, you know, um, has his, his flaws like, like all of us. But again, like, it's the policies, you yeah. know. You, we cannot in good conscience vote for policies that are contrary to what God instituted government for. And I think, you know, if Pastor Jeffries had time, that Romans passage would be the one he would cite and go, this is what God instituted government for. I think most people believe that government was instituted by the people. Well, in this country. Yeah, but, we are, that's the thinking, yeah. you know, it's a, government, it's a government, you know, by the people, for the people. Yeah. And of course, that is true. But ultimately behind it, we must recognize that government was instituted by God. Yes. Um no, on the other hand, when you look at the, the right-hand kingdom or the right hand of God, that is the church. Mm-hmm. And God instituted the church also to preach the gospel. Now, the church would not be doing what it was instituted to do if it preaches false doctrine. <laughs> you know, if, you're, if you don't believe that the Bible is the word of God and if you are just compromising the teachings of the Bible then you're not doing what God instituted the church to do, and that would be wrong. And so when we are looking at church, yes, we should also look at doctrine. Mm. We should look at doctrine. But, of course, we can more look at the person, too, because you certainly don't want uh, a pastor who has certain character flaws. But in government, that is irrelevant. You can't use uh, the character flaw of someone to decide whether this person is worth voting for or not. Well, I've I've seen some uh, feedback we've re- we've received here at the IC from people who say uh, that the Senate should not be political at all. Uh, we should simply concentrate on speaking the gospel and. The specific things that these people are opposing are, for example, uh, just recently, the uh, this week, in fact, the OCMS has filed an amicus brief in a court case uh, regarding uh, regarding a, a, an abortion clinic out in California. Actually, it's a, 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 a crisis. Pardon me, a, a pregnancy crisis center. Wow. Uh, that is a right to life group that is being uh, that is being persecuted in in our view. Wow. Uh, but. Uh, this is a political action. We have taken a stand, we've taken it publicly, and we have taken our appeal and joined with others and appealed to the Supreme Court saying, hear this argument. Yes. This affects us. We are involved in this. And we have done this a number of times here at the Senate. We we have been activists in the sense that we have been filing a number of amicus briefs yeah. when we believe that our basic doctrine and va- basic beliefs are at stake. Yes, yes. So I, I I question these people who say that we should just sit back and let Caesar rule without any input from us. I don't think Jesus intended that we should follow Caesar blindly. No, no. 
no. And especially if in a system like ours where um, you do get to vote, mm -hmm. um, because if you are if you get to vote, then you should also be looking clearly at policies, and you should be guided by your Christian beliefs um, and how we look at government. Again, that is why I you know, keep coming back to, to Romans 13, because this is the Christian view of government, and then it's going to affect the way we vote. <laughs> and so, you know, um, evangelicals are not being hypocrites. That's the main point. Yeah. They are not being hypocrites by voting in a way that, um, that they see um, government. Government is an institution of God, and this is what it is supposed to do. And if they are guided by that in their vote, then they are not being hypocrites at all, even if the man they vote for has certain flaws. Again, like the example I pointed out with uh, my pastor friend here at the Senate, uh, who to him it boiled down to, is, this, is the candidate pro-life or pro-abortion? Yes. That was the only question he really needed to have an answer to. Yeah. Yeah, that one has always been on my mind, too, um, you know. And if both of them are pro-choice, then I'm really confused. <laughs> and I go, that's when you vote third party. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, we're coming to the bottom of the hour here, and we got to take a little break. But uh, we've got a lot of things to talk about, and we certainly hope that our audience will join us. If you're in the St. Louis area, give us a call at area code 314-821-0850 or anywhere in North America, toll-free, 1-800-730-2727. We'll be right back. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 122, verse 1. Each weekday, the servants of God at the LCMS International Center gather together to receive the gifts of God in His Word. I invite you to join us weekdays, 10 a.m., for a live broadcast of daily chapel services on KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. A gift to Lutheran Education School Association gives students the opportunity to receive an education of academic excellence that prepares them as leaders of tomorrow in mind, body, and soul. If you would like to support Lutheran Education, consider attending a Night for Kids tribute dinner auction on Saturday, April 7th. Proceeds benefit over 9,000 students enrolled in 35 Lutheran schools in our community. For information, call 314-200-0797 or visit lesastl.org. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. 
Friday on Issues Etc. We'll continue our conversation with Dr. Angus Manoj on nihilism, the rejection of all religious and moral principles. On This Week in Pop American Christianity, we'll discuss the heavy burdens of finding and fulfilling your dream destiny with Chris Rosebro, and we'll play Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. Issues Etc. Live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. The Bible, inspiring women to care for the hungry, the oppressed, and the sick. In the Victorian era, some women sought to reach the poverty-stricken mothers and children of English cities. They looked to passages about mothers caring for the needy in Proverbs 29 and 31, and the teachings of Jesus on caring for children as the foundation of their work. In 1857, Ellen Ranyard founded the Bible and Domestic Female Mission, an organization mobilizing Bible women to care for the sick and poor in different districts. These women from middle and working classes provided basic medical assistance and food and organized meetings for women to read and teach from the Bible. Many were given Bibles to sell so they could earn an income while also making Bibles available. Engage with the Bible in the influence of this book of all books. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen, and my guest pastor today is Pastor Lane Wind Lawrence of St. James Lutheran Church in University City. We've been talking about how God can use the, uh, the flawed vessels to do his will and uh, how evangelicals should respond. We've got a couple of callers who want to respond to this. Uh, Larry from St. Louis, welcome aboard. Yes, good afternoon. Good afternoon there, Pastor Lawrence. How are you, my friend? All right, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. You know, when, when this topic comes up, I've got two quick comments, and then I'd like your comment. Luther said he would rather vote for a Turk that has good <laughs> political policies than a Christian who doesn't, who could be harmful to the country. <laughs> That's first. Secondly, if you look at the story of Jonah... When he was on the boat, God used the unbelievers actually in God's behest. Because when they they were questioning Jonah, what's the problem here? It's Jonah. They got they got rid of Jonah, and Jonah was encapsulated in the great fish, and it brought him back to his senses. So in that case, he used the unbeliever, and in government. He can do he can do the same thing, but I like like your uh, the host of the show said, and also you pastor that the line of demarcation is for me the first the first thought is if they're willing to kill a baby what else what else would they be willing to do so oh, those, yeah. those are my comments. Well, thank you very much, Larry. Pastor Lawrence, what say you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is um, that is uh, that is interesting because it's true. Um, you know, um, God can use the the unbeliever, and I you know I think your comments are just right on target. Um, you know, if you can kill a baby, what won't you do? You know, um, and they don't even recognize it as no, a baby. That's no, what's frightening to me. That is scary. Yeah, that yeah. is scary. Well, we also have on the line Sue from St. Louis. Sue, what do you have to say? Join us on the front porch here. And then Pastor Lawrence, how are you both? Okay. Very fine indeed. Good, thank you. Thanks for taking my call. 
Real quick, just as Christians, how quick we forget King David. Hello. Yes. Not the greatest scruples. And, <laughs> you know, so I don't think what King David did uh, was, you know, what anything Trump's done was anything like that. I don't think he had somebody murdered. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, and then, then we look at King Solomon, um, another hello. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think he was married to Delilah. No, uh, no. So. he was not married to, yeah, in fact, the, the amount of wives he had was shocking. Yeah, well, there you go. But the Lord accomplished great things through both of these men. Yes, so, yes. Um, and also Mary Magdalene was oh, one absolutely. of God's most faithful followers. So. Yeah seems to me we need to look to the Bible, as always, and throughout the Bible, that's all God used, was the extremely flawed. So. Yes, yes. What a great observation Yes, that is, is true. I mean, even St. Paul was one who was persecuting the church. Yep, well, there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> so, but anyway, Lord have mercy, and I'm so grateful for his mercy and his forgiveness and his gift to us his son, and salvation. So anyway, I just hope people remember that when they go to accuse Trump of being the worst thing on the planet. <laughs> no. right. well, thank you uh, so much, Sue. Well, thank you, and God bless you both, and have a great weekend. Okay, yes, you, you too, too now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow, I love that observation. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> You're right, you're right. Yeah, using you remember the... Larry's first comment? What was his, you remember what was the first comment he had? He, he made a couple of comments. Well, he was he was commenting on 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 the on the flawed people. You know, where right. the God uses us all. Right, right, yeah. And uh, you know, that is so true. I mean, these callers have really, um, <laughs> you know, hit the nail on the head when it comes to you know pointing out flawed people in the Bible. Because well, you know, throughout the Bible, is one of the things um, the biblical writers. N never covered up their flaw no they did not that is so vital <laughs> that yeah. is so vital we're yeah. not looking for perfection in humankind it doesn't exist it does not exist goodness really doesn't exist in us we are by nature sinful right and they would often you know go overboard to show their own flaw mm -hmm. and then show you know and you see this contrast between the sinfulness of man and the righteousness of god and the forgiveness. And the forgiveness goodness. of God. Yes. Oh. That is so true. Well, one of the arguments I get into, uh, and I love this one when they throw it at me because I always got the, the proper uh, the proper response is, uh, well, uh, Jesus always forgave the sinners. I mean, they said, yeah, but we said, go and sin no more, not go and sin, a, sin some more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know that's and that's the point. Uh, and, and you know, looking a little bit at the, uh, for example, the issue of homosexuality. Yeah, uh, would we as Lutherans welcome homosexuals into our church? I'm going to answer this as a layman, and I hope that you will correct me or tell me if I'm wrong or what it is. My answer to that person would be yes, provided. They recognize their sin and repent of it, the same as we, we as a Lutheran church, would regard an unmarried, cohabiting, heterosexual couple. Are they welcome to our church? Well, they have to recognize their sin and to repent of it. Right, and to um, change their, their yeah. behavior. Um, we would uh, recommend that they get married and not continue to just live in sin. Um, and that's true. If um, if a person is uh, have gay feelings, 
say, you know, this is what I feel, mm-hmm. um, and I know it is wrong, and uh, therefore I don't practice this because I know it is against God. But I do feel it. I do think it. Um, yes, we would welcome that person into our church, and we would welcome that person even to the Lord's table. Because, you know, it is at the Lord's table that we not only receive the forgiveness of sins, but we receive also the power to live a more holy life. Mm. And so that person should come to church, come to the Lord's table to receive the forgiveness of sin and, uh, you know, that strength of faith, you know, the power to to overcome sin in their life. Well, you say that in the, in the, uh, the I guess it's the benediction, you know, when, when we finish, when you have administered the, uh, the bread and the wine and you say go, and that this yes. should refresh you and strengthen you. Yes, 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 we bless the table, you know, yeah. um, reminding them of what they receive and uh, that they should uh, live thankful lives, of course, mm-hmm. responding with thanksgiving to what God has done by living the way he would have us live, um, which is um, a holy life. So we would certainly encourage even someone who have those feelings to to live a, a holy life. But we wouldn't just, you know, say you cannot be a member of the church because you have sinful thoughts or sinful feelings. We all do. Yeah, who doesn't, (laughs) you know? I mean, you know, I look at uh, the immorality of people. You know, one of the things we I like about even the new hymnal is uh, right after there is this, before the confession, there is a pause. Mm. There's a pause. And it's written, the rubrics is written there, you know, that there is silence for a moment as we ponder our sin. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I know sometimes, you know, pastors are tempted to say, how long should I pause, you know? Maybe I should count to 10 in my mind. No, I'm not counting to 10. Um, I am pondering my sins. I look again at my own thoughts. I look again at my own feelings. And I realize that, boy, you know what? God is using a very flawed character to administer the forgiveness of sins. He's using a very flawed character to preach his word. You know, I remember Isaiah being in the, the throne room of God, and he, saw, and he says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. Mm. You know, I don't belong in here. You know, and that's why we have confession and absolution right at the very beginning of our service, because we realize that we have no right to come before God in worship because we are such flawed, sinful human beings. And at the very beginning, we stop to confess that, to ponder that and to confess it and to receive the forgiveness of sin. Now, that applies to me. It applies to even a gay person. To anyone. Now, of course, yeah, you know, now, of course, if I go out and practice um, some kind of sin openly, unrepentant and open sin, then, you know, when it comes Mm -hmm. to the church, you cannot have that going on in the church or being done by the clergy. You would certainly have to, you know, remove that person from office. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, you know, this is the church, not the state. You yeah, know? Right. You know, but in the state, of course, it's not the man, but his policies. In the well, church, it's also the word of God. 
but also the character of the man can also affect the church. Would it be possible for us to have a pastor who had gay leanings but had not acted on it? That he recognizes this flaw and has not acted on his feelings? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, if if at seminary they know that you have that, I doubt very much mm. if they would um, if they would uh, recommend you for a call. I think they might not. But uh, you know, we sh- it's, those are one of the things we should look at again and say, you know, is that reason for denying someone um, a call to the office? Because it's not, because you know, again, it's it, it's also it, the most important thing is that it is not practiced. Yeah, that that's the point I'm trying to raise. Yeah, that is the that is the the important thing that it's not practiced, yeah. because it's not you know we all lust. You know, I'm heterosexual. I'm not gay, but do I have feelings for women that are not my that I'm not married to? I certainly do. Um, Am I condemned? Should I be kicked out of office for those feelings? But I don't practice it. That's the important thing. I will never engage in some kind of um, sexual intercourse with some woman that I'm not married to. Mm. I certainly would not do that. So, you know, when it comes to thoughts and uh, and feelings, we, we have these thoughts and feelings. But the important thing is that we don't practice them. And recognize also that we don't practice them not just because of fear of, of, of temporal punishment, right? but because we know it's wrong. We know it's wrong, true. Yeah, true. Th- this is an offense before God. Right. And as Christians, what would it do to the church? Mm. You know, it, uh, it certainly scandalizes the church when we as the people of God and clergies engage in certain bad behavior. Or in recognizing certain bad behaviors. Another another question that I receive from uh, from gay people on on Facebook is, well, you call what we have as a domestic partnership, which is what I have done in the past. Okay, fine. I recognize the state has the authority to call you a domestic partnership, but it is not a marriage in my view. You might want to go to an Episcopalian church. They say it is. That's their business. But I can't do that. Oh, where the people are just living together? No, that actually, uh, at, at, at where gay marriage is legal, which is now the law of the land. Right, right. And, uh, well, they will get married in a, whether it's in a civil ceremony before a judge. Right. Or if uh, they get married before a church that recognizes it. For example, as I mentioned, the Episcopalian Church, I believe, does. I think Elka does. Yeah, they might do that, but we don't. Uh, in the Missouri Synod, we don't oh, recognize absolutely that as not. marriage. Yeah, absolutely do not. not. Yeah. And what, what I think we can say is we recognize the authority of the state. Whoops, sorry about that. I hit my microphone. Is that we recognize the authority of the state uh-huh. to mandate that law for them, for the secular world, but they can't mandate us to recognize it. Right, and the state is making a big mistake oh, because I agree. you know, again, you know. The government was instituted by God, yeah. and it should not go against the laws of God. And that is why, you know, we have had rulers, um, presidents in the past who would not um, entertain things like that because they would say, you know, uh, marriage was instituted by God. I don't get to say, I don't get to have a say on who gets married, 
but God institute marriage, and he said it's between a man and a woman, and, you know, they would just stop there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, even though the state might say it's okay, um, in the church we cannot accept that as marriage. We don't recognize it as marriage. Yeah. And that is why, in fact, some of these um, bakers or photographers or florists have gotten themselves into into trouble with the law. Oh, yeah, because, because they stood up for their faith. Because they're standing up for their faith and say, I don't recognize this as marriage, and since I don't recognize it as marriage, um, I cannot uh, um, bake you a, a wedding cake. <laughs> can't do a special, I cannot use my talents to make right. something special to celebrate this. Right. Sell you anything in the store, Right. but I'm not going to do anything special for it. Right. Don't ask me to write your name, yeah. you know, your name on the cake or, you know, wedding love between this person and mm-hmm. that person. I can't do that. Well, interestingly, uh, you know, in the in the case of Masterpiece Cake Shop, which is the Colorado uh, one that's before the Supreme Court right now, mm-hmm. uh, he was uh, he was punished and convicted originally by, uh, I'm going to call it the Colorado Civil Rights Commission. I probably have the title wrong, but it's, it's an agency of the state. But interestingly, there were three other cases before the commission that was just the opposite of that where a Christian couple had gone in to gay bakeries and specifically asked for a cake that was made with Bible verses stating about marriage between just a man and a woman. <laughs> three times they were refused. Three separate bakeries refused them. Wow. Went up to the Civil Rights Commission, and they said, oh, well, it's, that's, that's okay. It's within our rights to refuse that. You see, but when Jack Phillips went up, he said, "Oh, you can't do that." You see, and that's the thing, you know. Um, you know, you know. I have this um, this feeling sometimes that uh, that these progressive people or socialists, as I sometimes describe them, that they have taken over. First of all, the high institutions of learning. Mm. And after taking over these high institutions of learning, then they not educate, but indoctrinate. And then they send out their disciples to take over the courts, to take over the media, and to take over the government. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're having so much trouble where, you know, these uh, courts are going after Christians. Mm Mm-hmm or the media siding with uh, policies that simply um, reward bad behavior and punish good behavior. So we see this going on all over society, and I think that it is coming from that area, you know, where they take over the high institutions of learning, and then instead of just educating, then they indoctrinate, and then they send out their disciples to take over these areas of our country, and uh, that's why we're having so much problem. <laughs> you know, I am from Jamaica, <laughs> and I should, never would have guessed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm from Jamaica, and I can tell you this. You know, um, Jamaica was a British colony um, for many years, and then Jamaica got um, independence in 1962. And between 1962 and uh, 1975 took about that length of time for us to practically destroy the country with socialism. 
once socialism take a foothold, and I can tell you the first thing they did, first thing uh, Michael Manley did when he was prime minister, was disarm the society. Mm. Take away everybody's guns. So that once he start implementing his socialistic policies, you couldn't stop him, you couldn't resist him. And now Jamaica is a mess um, economically. Um, a lot of Jamaicans that came to America with the intent to go back home ended up not going back home. A lot of them wanted to just work for a while, save their money, buy a piece of land in Jamaica, build a house in it and go home. But they couldn't do that after a while. Because if you even bought a piece of land in Jamaica and when you get there, someone is living there, you can't kick that person off the land because they have what they call squatter's rights. And so a lot of the Jamaicans ended up not going back home. And then you just watch step by step how these socialistic policies just ran the country into the ground. Because you see, if you start rewarding bad behavior, you're going to get more bad behavior. You're giving people the incentive to continue doing what they're doing. It's the same thing we're having now with the immigration problem in our country. Um, they're being, you know, sh shielded. Yeah, bad it's behavior a, is being is, rewarded. It's being rewarded. And so you're going to get more of it. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you, we, you pointed out very rightly that, that uh, you know, God works through the flawed vessels. Yes. So does Satan. Yes, yes, yes. And that's something for us to remember. Yes, that he will certainly try to tell us that our thoughts and our feelings and bad behavior is okay. And uh, you start following him rather than the word of God. And I think Sue made it clear that we need to just look at the Bible and follow that. Yeah. Um, rather than, you know, our own thoughts and our own feelings. And uh, once we follow the word of God, then we're on the right track. But you start following these progressive or socialistic agendas. Mm -hmm. And my fear is, you know, I would not want to see what happened to my beautiful country, Jamaica, happen here. <laughs> you know? Well, like um, our earlier caller said, you know, Luther said, I'd rather vote for the Turk. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what <laughs> that, was was yeah. that was the comment I was trying to remember <laughs> when he said, yeah, Luther said, I would rather have a smart Turk than a dumb Christian as, <laughs> as, as the ruler. And that is certainly true, you know, <laughs> because Luther was in a time when, you know, they wanted to keep um, um, the Christian world united to fight against uh, the Turks. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, um, Luther made that comment, you know, that I'd rather have a, a smart Turk running the country than a stupid Christian. Well, that probably got him in a lot of trouble. Back <laughs> yeah, then. you're right. I don't think that I don't think that won him any points with um, yeah. <laughs> with the authorities at yeah. all. <laughs> Although interestingly, you know, it, it, I think that was uh, one of the fallouts uh, and one part of the uh, the Augsburg Convention was where the Lutherans got together, the, the followers at that point, to to talk to address people like Charles V, the Holy Roman Emperor, and say, look, we are Christian. We are not a threat to your government. Right. And I think this was Charles' big fear, was that the schism between the Catholics and the Protestants would weaken Christianity. Right. 
And I think the uh, the Augsburg Confession made very, very clear that this is not the case. Right. I'm not sure Charles bought it, but... Yeah. But that's also another interesting thing about Romans 13. There is no government that should feel that Christianity is a threat to it. Because Christianity believed that government was instituted mm. by God. And that you should... Sub, be sub, you know you should subject yourself to the governing authorities, so no government should ever feel that Christians are a threat to them. Interesting, because you know North Korea, exactly. People's Republic of China, even exactly. Russia as it is today. Right, they will oppose Christianity, try to you know stamp out Christianity because mm -hmm. they see it as a threat, yeah. but it's not a threat. And don't even mention the Middle Eastern countries. Yes. Oh, yes. With you could get arrested for even wearing a cross in uh, in Saudi Arabia. Right. It just it's, yeah, it's frightening. They, yeah. All Christians have been persecuted in um, in Muslim countries, Iraq mm. recently. Oh yeah. By ISIS, you know, they would go after Christians in Iraq, in Syria, and uh, one promise. Yeah. When one promise Jesus did make to us is that we would be hated. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. And uh, unfortunately, that is coming true. And it, it's it's sad that we're being hated now in our own country, in our own society. Yes, yes. And that's mm -hmm. why, you know, I, you know, to, to have, Christ, you know, when they, when, um, when Pastor Jeffrey was being criticized, what I saw in the criticism is even an attempt to suppress Christian vote. Oh, yes, very much you so. You know, because this is a flawed person, um, don't vote at all. Just stay home. <laughs> I've seen that argument. Or one I just saw quite recently was with uh, when uh, the Reverend Billy Graham died. Uh, uh, Graham regrettably had a point in his life where he had made some anti-Semitic statements. Wow. And uh, which he subsequently uh, recanted from, repented from, and asked forgiveness from the Jewish community. But he did utter them at one point. And uh, a number of these progressive people I've been talking about saying, well, how can you honor such a man? Said, yeah. Well, because he was a flawed man who found grace. Right. And right. brought people to grace, you know. Right. Okay, he was a Baptist. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah. to any of our Baptist listeners out there. This is a Lutheran station. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, you know I ad what I admired about him was his preaching about sin and grace. Now, of course, as Lutherans, we would never do the altar call. No. You know, the altar call was, um, for us, would be a contradiction of, uh, of um, salvation by grace alone through faith. And that uh, um, we're not saved by anything we do, whether it is by making a choice or giving our life to Christ. That's not how we are saved. We're simply saved by the grace of God. Um, but you're right. I think you know the persecution of Christians in um, in our country and worldwide. Um, in fact, one one scholar had made a, a comparison between Christians being persecuted in the ancient world and now, and said, "You know what? We are just as we're we're persecuted just as much." <laughs> what to think about? Well, you've been listening to last talk the pastors and today's guest pastor. Is Lawrence Saint uh, Lawrence Saint James <laughs> Wayne Lawrence of Saint James? I've been blowing your name all day, dear Pastor. I'm so sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. I want to give special thanks to the Pastor Emeritus Fritz Boy for letting us use his recording of "All Glory Lord in Honor" as the theme song for "Let's Talk the Pastors In." See you next Friday. <laughs> 
You've been listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO.